0: Thank you, Don. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, I may jump on this stool before the sermon's over. Got out here and helped the guys do a little concrete preparation yesterday, so you know. Hey, uh, our scripture today is going to come from Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there or just follow along with us on the screen. We are in our final week of our series. Actually, next week, I'm going to give a little wrap-up of what we've been talking about. But since January, we've been walking through the spiritual gifts. and We've been teaching on the different spiritual gifts. And so we're um, at the final week. And so you may be thinking to yourself, well, Gordon, I haven't heard my spiritual gift talked about. Well, we're in the final week. I'm about ready to be out. So we're going to get to your gift today um, if we haven't covered it yet, because I know you got at least one. Uh, maybe you may have others. Um, but uh, so we're, we're jumping into this today. Our text comes from Ephesians chapter four. Um, you can flip over there in your Bibles. Let's stand and read together from God's word. Ephesians chapter four. We'll be reading verses 11 through 15, 11 through 15. Um, here we go. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. You may be seated. Thank you so much. So, uh, the two gifts that we want to cover today are the gifts of evangelism and the gift of shepherd teacher. The first of those is the gift of evangelism. Evangelism is going out and it's sharing with people about Jesus. It's telling them about the fact that they can have their sins forgiven. It's telling them about what Jesus accomplished on the cross and how, they can, how that can impact their lives. That's what evangelism is. Um, it says there in verse 8 of chapter 4 that God gave gifts to men, and so that's an inclusive term there. It means both men and women. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 11, he says that God gave some to be apostles. Well, we've already talked about them. That was the first week of our series. And then he says, and some to be prophets. Again, we've talked about them. He says, and some to be evangelists. We haven't talked about the evangelists yet. So there's a spiritual gift that the Bible identifies here as evangelists. Um, I think every one of us who is a believer in Jesus Christ would agree that we are all to be evangelists, that is, that we are all to go out and share about the good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross so that people can have their sins forgiven. Um, one of the last things that Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, he said to him, that Timothy, you are to do the work of an evangelist. right? He's telling Timothy here, whether you got the gift or not, you go out and you do this work. You go out and share about Jesus with people who don't know him. You do the work of an evangelist. Then there's the great commission that Jesus shared in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, where he said to all of us, go out therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, friends, Jesus intended for every Christian, Jesus intended for every church to go out and tell other people about what he had done on the cross for them, to share about our faith in Christ for them. That's not just for people who have the gift of evangelism. That's something for all of us. Are we on board with that? Okay. Um, However, there are some among us, uh, the Bible teaches that God has gifted in a special way with the ability to bring Christ to bear in other people's lives in a way that others of us just can't. For example... Peter had this gift. Peter preached a sermon in Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 people responded to his, his call for people to come to Christ. 3,000 people off of one sermon. I'd say that's a pretty good day, right? And then the next day, Acts chapter 3 and verse 4, Peter preaches again, and 2,000 people this time respond to the message. Again, I think he's, having, he's on fire, right? He's got that gift. He's got that gift of evangelism coursing through his veins. And then there was Paul in Acts chapter 14, the Bible says, verse 1, that Paul spoke in such a way, so effectively that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. In fact, Paul's gift of evangelism, friends, was so strong that when he was standing before King Agrippa and giving account of his life and talking about his ministry, King Agrippa says to himself, Paul, you've almost convinced me to become a Christian. So here's this guy, the first time he's ever heard about Jesus before, and he's this high and mighty political elite, and Paul almost convinces him to become a Christian right there on the spot. And then there was Philip in the New Testament, Acts chapter 21 and verse 8. The Bible calls him Philip the evangelist. If you read in Acts chapter 8, you'll find out that Philip had a tremendous impact, uh, a tremendous gift of evangelism. He went up into Samaria territory north of Jerusalem, and he was sharing about Christ there. And people came to Jesus in droves. People uh, converted to him, uh, gave their life to Christ in droves. And you'll find out that the, some of the people that Philip led to Christ in Samaria went on to start that missionary mission-sending church in Antioch at the fruits of Philip's ministry. Even, in, even the guy in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch, who was riding in his chariot, Philip stops him on the road and explains the gospel to him. And the text says, upon hearing this, Acts chapter 8 and verse 38, that the man commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water right there on the side of the road. Maybe there was a little pond, maybe there was a little ditch with some retaining water in it. I don't know, but they found some water and this guy said, I want to be baptized. And Philip baptized him right there on the side of the road on the spot. Friends, there is still a church today in Ethiopia 2,000 years later that traces its heritage back to this guy that philip led to christ um, and that's the reason why the gospel spread in ethiopia now if we were to define this gift i have a slide for you here if we were to define this gift it would sound like this it is a god-given ability to present the gospel with such power that people come to christ at a much faster rate than they do for the rest of us. So this gift is speaking to effectiveness, that some people God has gifted in a way that they can go out and share their faith in Jesus, and they're just so effective. There's just so much fruit that comes out of them sharing about Jesus. You say, Gordon, that's really great, but it sounds like this is like a gift for reverends, right? This is a gift for preachers. This is a gift that you pastors have. So what difference does any of this make to me? Well, folks, um, let me explain to you that most of the evangelists, most of the people who have been very effective like Peter, preaching 3,000 people coming to Christ, started out as lay people. That is, they started out not as professional preachers. Some of them did resign their jobs after they uh, and went into full-time Christian service after they discovered that they had this gift, but not before. Most of the great soul winners in the history of the church started off as lay people who suddenly discovered that they had this gift of evangelism that God had given them, and they went on to use it. For example, uh, William Carey, the father of modern missions, was not a preacher when he, when he decided to become an evangelist. He was a shoemaker. He was a cobbler working in London and discovered that he had this gift, this skill set that God had given him, and he was very effective at sharing Christ with people, and they were responding. And so he left his business, he left London, he went to India, and he became the father of modern missions. How about Dwight L. Moody? I got a picture of him for you here. The great evangelist of the 19th century. This, this guy, Dwight L. Moody, did not start out as a preacher, he started out as a shoe salesman. He didn't have any formal theological study. He was living in Boston when he discovered that God had given him this great gift of evangelism and went on to lead. I, saw, I think I've heard numbers of like a million people to Christ. I mean, this guy just had that gift. Uh, there was Charles Finney, and I've got a slide of him for you. He was not a preacher when he discovered that he had the gift of evangelism. He was a lawyer working in Adams, New York. And then how about this guy? Anybody know who this next fellow is? Right? There's Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham had this gift of evangelism. He dropped out of college, went down to Florida, and literally preached on the street corners in Florida, standing, no kidding, on a soapbox, sharing about the good news of Jesus. And that's how Billy Graham got his start as a young man in ministry. He was not a preacher. He was not a professional clergyman. Um, How about C.T. Studd? C.T. Studd was the great missionary to three different continents from England. He was not a preacher when he started, but rather he was a professional cricket player. And I think this picture comes from his cricket playing days, right? And he's kind of posing there. And so this is uh, C.T. Studd. And so um, he, considered, he was considered one of the best cricket players in all of England. Um, and then he discovered that he had this gift of evangelism. And uh, he decided to give all that up and go on to share the gospel. And he's the one who wrote, and I quote, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bells, but I want to rest, run a rescue ship within a yard of hell. C.T. Studd. Again, he didn't start off as a preacher. He started off as a cricket player discovered he had this gift. And I believe that in every local church, friend, including this church, there are people who have this gift of evangelism that God has equipped to go out and share the gospel with people and do it in a very effective way. Um, Many of us here perhaps have this gift and don't even realize that we have it. And the reason we don't know whether or not we have it, the reason why so many few of us realize that we have it is because we haven't put personal evangelism as a lifestyle, as a practice in our life. We just really haven't tried it. We haven't taken the risk to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. And because we haven't done that, we haven't given ourselves space to figure it out figure out whether or not we have this gift. I mean, if you're going to get hit by the train, you've got to step out on the tracks. Right? Not that you want to get hit by a train, but I mean, you know. So here's my challenge to you. Get involved in personal evangelism. Try it out. See whether or not you got the gift. Again, this is something that we should all be doing. However, if you've got the gift, we need to make sure that here at this church, that you're not mowing grass, that you're not teaching a Sunday school class. You may have a gift for one of those. So you use that gift. But if you've got the gift of evangelism, friends, we need to make sure that you're on the front lines connecting with lost people, sharing about the good news of Jesus with them, inviting them here to this church. We need to make sure that you're not stuck in an office someplace, right? Um, our mission statement at Hebron is to win the lost and to mature the believer, and we as a church need to make sure that we are zeroed in on the first part of that to win the lost as a whole, but there are those among us, friends, that God has equipped, that God has gifted to share the good news about Jesus with other people, and you can do it in such an effective and a fruitful way, you got to get out there and just try it. All right, so the second gift that I want to talk about today, and this will spend the bulk of our time together, is this gift of shepherd-teacher. Flip back in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, if you have those, or you can follow them on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul writes, and God gave the apostles, and God gave some to be prophets, and God gave some to be evangelists, and he gifted some to be the shepherds and teachers. Now the Greek word that's translated there as shepherds is the word poimen, which literally means shepherd or pastor. So the word pastor is the same word as the word shepherd, that's kind of where that comes from. Now, there's a big theological debate. Everybody with me this morning? I know we lost an hour. I know, I know it. Uh, Hopefully you got a little extra coffee this morning. Um, But in any case, um, there's a big theological debate out there as to whether or not this is two different people that we're talking about here, a shepherd and a teacher or a shepherd hyphen teacher. Are we talking about two different people or is this all kind of one in the same bucket? What makes things confusing is that you have two nouns. Uh, the words shepherd and teacher, and they're joined by the word and. And the first noun has a definite article in front of it, but there's not a definite article in front of the second noun. It says there in the text, it says the shepherds and teachers. It translates, um, he gave some to be the shepherds and teachers. Typically in Greek, when you have two nouns joined by an and, and there's only one definite article in front of the first of those, then the two of them kind of sandwich together, and they're taken as a whole. However, when you've got two plural nouns, and there's a definite article in front of the first one, y'all are following along with me, right? When there's two plural nouns, and you've got a definite article in front of the first one, well, then you don't necessarily sandwich them together, and so there's, that's why there's not consensus around whether or not this is a shepherd hyphen teacher or whether this is just shepherd. But the one, now we've already covered the, the gift of teaching. Uh, that was several weeks back ago. Um, but one thing we can all agree on, whether you think this is shepherd hyphen teacher or shepherds and teachers, is that there is a gift of shepherding a gift of shepherding that God has given to the church. And so at minimum, we can conclude that. Now, the word that we might be more familiar with in describing professional clergy is the word pastor or minister. It literally means shepherd. Again, it's the very same word. And the gift of shepherding is really nothing more than being a shepherd of people. Let um, me make, a, make a, good point, a big point here, okay? So if somebody's kind of drifting off, right, that hour of sleep is kind of working on, gonna be a little nudge right now, tell him, hey, look, we got it. he's getting ready to say something really important i are going to pay attention to this, right? So here's my big point. You don't have to be employed as the pastor of a church to have the gift of shepherding. Let me say that again. You do not have to be employed as a full-time vocational minister working in a church, working at a church, in order to have the gift of shepherding. Many, many people have the gift of shepherding who will never serve in a vocational way in a local church. Um, and this is not exclusive to Men. Men and women have this gift. You say, well, what is this gift? What does it mean to have the gift of shepherding? Well, it means being a shepherd. It means caring for people. It means showing compassion to people. It means having a shepherd's heart for people. And when you think of a shepherd's heart, it takes us to Psalm chapter 23, um, where the scriptures say, the Lord is my shepherd. That's right. Some of y'all are still paying attention. All right, good. So let's flip over there as our last scripture today that we want to consider, Psalm chapter 23, and here David talking about the Lord as his shepherd, and we'll kind of identify some of the qualities, some of the features that go along with being a shepherd. We'll learn what a shepherd does. Um, three things here. A shepherd desires to guide the sheep. It says there in verse one that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and then it says in verse two that there are some things that the shepherd makes the sheep do. Verse two says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. That is, he finds good pastures and he takes me to that place. Verse 3 says, or the end of verse 2 says, and he leads me, again guiding, leads me beside still waters. That is, he takes me to waters that aren't rushing and the currents, might possibly sleep me away, but rather he takes me to still waters where I can get a sip of water, where I can get a drink where I'll be safe. And then it says, verse 3, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, he leads me toward good paths. He leads me toward safe paths. So the first thing that a shepherd does is a shepherd guides the sheep. So somebody who has this gift of shepherding is somebody that's gonna guide other people, gonna guide other sheep. The second thing that shepherds do is that they find grazing for the sheep. They feed the sheep. It says there in verse two, verse two that the shepherd takes the sheep to green pasture, and then it says in verse five that the shepherd prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, people with the gift of shepherding feed sheep the word of God, spiritual food. Remember what Jesus said to Peter, John chapter 21 and verse 17, he said, Peter, feed my sheep, right? And Peter even said to the elders of the church, 1 Peter chapter five and verse two, he said, you who who are the elders of the church, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And what's interesting is that the word that's translated feed there is the word shepherd. Shepherd them. Feed them. It's the same word. Shepherding and pasturing the sheep. How do you do it? Simply by feeding the sheep the word of God. And whether you do it in one-on-one discipleship or whether you do it in a home group or whether you do it as a Sunday school leader um, or whether you do it on the telephone or you do it from a pulpit, right? Whichever it is, you're feeding people the word of God. This is what shepherds do. They guide the sheep. They take the sheep to good grazing. And then finally, the shepherds also guard the sheep. Here in Psalm chapter 23, it says in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. You see, David knew and understood the role of a shepherd. Um, he had talked to King Saul and told King Saul about how when he was in during his shepherd days, how there would be a lion or a bear that would come in and it would threaten the sheep. And David said, I'd go over there and I'd take that lion out or I'd take that, that bear out. Uh, make sure that the sheep are safe. Make sure that the sheep are guarded because that's what shepherds do. The duty of shepherds and the duty of elders in the local church is to guard the flock as a whole and to guard individuals within the flock from error and damage and from being led astray. But friends, no pastor, no group of elders can handle that alone. They were never meant to. And so God gives the gift of shepherding beyond just the people who are in leadership. God gives the gift of shepherding to people all across our church body. And that's why God has given us, many of us, that gift. And many of us have a ministry that God wants for us to have of getting a few sheep around us, sheep that we will guide, sheep that we will graze, sheep that we will guard. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some by encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Friends, I believe that many, many Christians in the local church have this gift of shepherding. Maybe they're aware of it, maybe they're not aware of it, but for some of us who are aware of it, i I don't want you may be thinking to yourself, I don't want to use it because I'm afraid that I don't occupy some sort of official church position. Right. Like nobody's voted on me. How can I be shepherding people if I don't occupy some sort of official position? And friends, I've talked to men in our church and I've said, you know what? I think you've got this gift. I think you've got this gift of pastoring people, of of, of shepherding people. And they say, you know what, though, I haven't been voted on something. I don't occupy an official position in the church. I'm not sure that I should be doing that. I don't want to usurp somebody else's role. I don't want to look like I'm taking charge or something. And I've talked to women in our church, and I've said, look, I think you've got this gift. I think you've got the gift of, of take, gathering people together and of pastoring them and of shepherding them. They said, well, you know what, I haven't been invited to lead any sort of ministry in our church. I don't occupy some, some sort of um, you know, leadership role. Folks, that's not right. It's not the elder's job. It's not the deacon's job alone to shepherd this church. The elders and the deacons in this church cannot possibly offer the level of care and concern that each of us needs. So here's what we want from you. We want for those of you with the gift of shepherding to gather a few sheep around you to help us shepherd the flock of God here at Hebron Christian Church. And if God has given you that kind of a heart, if God has given you that kind of a gift, then whether or not you become a home leader or a Sunday school teacher or a youth group counselor, or maybe you just get a few friends around you, right? And we want for you you to make it your goal to watch over them, to care for them, and to guard that group of people. However you do it, there's a ministry for you to perform here in the local church. Please, please do not wait until you are appointed to some official position or elected position in the church before you start using your gift shepherd you use it for the building up of the church and the glory of God Um, just want to share a few words here in closing you say Gordon you know I've heard you talk about these gifts I've been listening over some weeks I think I maybe figured out which one is um, maybe there's some others and I'm not 100% sure that whether or not it's a gift that I've got how do I know like how, how, how can I be sure that I've actually got this gift well I got a couple thoughts for you here um, three ways that, or four things you can do that you can kind of test it out and see whether or not you've got this gift. Number one is information. The first step you need to do that you got is to know what the gifts are. And that's what this series has been all about. It's been about educating us, helping us to understand the intricacies of all these gifts, the distinguishing characteristics of these gifts, what the gifts are, and then we can begin to, um, you know, on that basis, begin to make some thinking about it. Uh, the second step is reflection. Not just information, but reflection. In other words, taking all of this information about spiritual gifts and reflecting upon it in terms of your own life. How has God uniquely formed me? How has God uniquely knit me together? What are the talents and the skill sets that, that I've got that, uh, that might connect with one of these spiritual gifts? Um, and then just thinking about ourselves and praying about that and asking God to reveal to us, which, which one of these is it, God, that you've got for me? So not only information, not, knowing what the, not only knowing what the gifts are, but then reflection and spending some time thinking about which of these do we have. Third is, find, is, is experiment. Once you think you've got a gift that might be yours, you need to try it out, right? You need to take it for a test drive. If you think you might have the gift of evangelism, as we were talking about earlier, then go out there and try that out. Again, you can't get hit by the train, right, unless you get out on the tracks. You can't learn to drive a car just by watching other people drive a car, and you can't learn how to sew by reading the manual about sewing, right? You got to actually turn the machine on and start running some thread through that thing. Uh, you got to try it out so experiment and fourth and finally is affirmation first you have to you have information you learn about it then you reflect on what those, on which of those speaks to your uniqueness and then you begin to experiment to see which of the gifts god may have given you and then finally affirmation and what i mean by affirmation is that the people around you and you yourself evaluating hey look i'm starting to have some success here I, I, this this is this is something that i'm passionate about when I'm in this area, when I'm participating in this way, I feel really comfortable. I feel like I'm in my zone. I feel like I'm doing what the Lord designed me to do. And friends, when you are, when you are using your spiritual gift, there won't be this feeling of, oh, no, I got to go do that again. Right Now, it's going to be something that you're passionate about. It's something that you can't wait to be able to go and use because you realize that you're making an eternal impact the way God designed for you to make an eternal impact and you're building up the body of Christ, and you're glorifying God. Well, friends, those are the spiritual gifts. I hope this has been not just informational for you, but I hope it's also been a time of reflection for us to think about, well, which one of these has God equipped me with? Again, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have one of these gifts. Maybe more, but you at least have one. And so it's up to us now to figure out, okay, Lord, which one of these is it that you've given me? and then to implement that gift uh, for the glory of God. Let's bow our heads together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for the opportunity these past weeks to travel through the Scriptures, to hear about how you have equipped your church uh, to operate in the most effective way, to operate in a way, Lord, that uh, is is passionate and life-giving for those of us that are participating in ministry here in a way, Lord, that uh, edifies the body of Christ, that builds up uh, your church. God, we just ask that um, as we've heard all this information, that your Holy Spirit would continue to prompt us in the coming weeks as to which of these gifts you have given us, as to which of these gifts you want for us to be out there exercising and using. Or may we think about our participation here at Hebron through the lens of these spiritual gifts. God, we submit this time to you now as we come around this table to remember your broken body and your shed blood we thank you for what began it all that lord we would not be able to have a relationship with you if it were not for what jesus accomplished on the cross holy spirit we ask that you would just speak to us encourage us as we quiet our hearts before you this morning we pray these things in christ's holy name amen